0: Welcome back to the Rock Your Retirement Show. I'm your host, Kathy Klein, and we don't talk about money on this show. We talk about the six pillars of retirement lifestyle, which are friendship, purpose, as in the purpose in life, whether it be your life's work, your volunteer work, or whatever your purpose is, family, health, spiritual issues, and your significant other if you have one or want one. There are plenty of other shows that talk about money and investments, but this isn't one of them. We stick to the six pillars of retirement lifestyle. Starting in August of 2020, we started following the life of a pre-retiree. The goal was to follow her from pre-retirement through the retirement process So you and I can live vicariously through her experience. We want to know what's happening as she goes through this process so we can better prepare ourselves. As you listen in, think of any questions you might have for our subject, Barbara Mock, who is teaching us what she is learning by doing. You can email those questions to us at podcast at rockyourretirement.com. Dot com, and we'll try to answer them in the show. Okay, let's get over to today's conversation. So Barbara,
1: it has been about a month since we've talked. Tell me what's going on with you. Oh my gosh, I just feel like I am on a summer vacation that's never going to end. It's my endless summer and summer hasn't even started yet. Why do you say that? Tell me what's happening because you're still in the
0: honeymoon phase of your retirement and that's the fun stage,
1: right? Yes. I'd say we're in the honeymoon bubble. I think I told you before when we talked that we were getting ready to go on on an epic road trip. My husband has a friend that lives in Arizona and he had window points that he needed to use and he chose a beautiful condominium in St. George, Utah. But... We decided, since I'm retired, and I have time, and life's more flexible, that we would drive. And so my husband planned a wonderful trip to get to our trip, and that was to break it up into three or four days, hoteling it on the road, which we almost never do. We always were flying before.
0: Now, when you say hoteling on the road, was this totally on the fly, or did you have hotels scheduled Along the trip,
1: yes, he took a map and divided by two or three to see how could we break up the trip and he really just didn 't want us to drive more than four to six hours a day and so what he did is he figured out how far we could get sleep, and then do an activity in the morning and then drive the rest of the way in the afternoon, which worked really, really amazing and so uh, we went from Washington to Oregon. Uh, and we spent the night in Pendleton, Oregon, and then we golfed at a beautiful, beautiful resort course. Super fun. It was almost like we had the whole course to ourselves. And then we drove from there to Boise, Idaho, and it was a further drive. We didn't have as much time to golf, but we found this amazing pathway along the river. And I don't know about you, but there's just something about a college town. I think I had talked about when I was, saw my dad, Um, a few months ago in Arizona and visiting with him. And there's just so much energy. And that's what Boise was like. There were just young people everywhere, soccer games, people on these little bikes and people walking. And it was just a great way to kind of decompress after driving so far. What was
0: it like for you to let him do all this planning And because you're the planner
1: of the family, we know that. Yes. Well, in this transition, because it was his friend and his desire to go on this trip, I guess I can say I yielded happily. And he spent hours trying to figure out where to stay and what activities we would do because he wanted to mix it up between golf and walking or hiking. And he just did a great job. So I guess in retirement, what I'm learning is... Roles can reverse a little bit, and that's okay. I think when I've initiated the trips, I needed the power and control. But with that comes a heavy responsibility of wanting to make sure people are having a good time and they're having fun. And sometimes I just wasn't able to be in the moment where this was super relaxing. He doesn't see it the same way I do. He just like, it's just a trip, but he did a really good job. And so I expressed my gratitude at every turn. This was really fun. This was a great place to stay. I think the fun thing is to also find restaurants. That was something he didn't plan, like where we would eat and your cell phone and trip advisor with crowdsourcing. Every place we went was either the experience we were looking for, the food was excellent. And when you look for best Mexican in a town or best tie in a town or whatever it is, it points you to it and, and you know, the map quest sends you to it. So, so that was not something that, that we had to worry about, but I think by being able to relax and be in the moment, you're open to new possibilities. You're open to new things. Sometimes on your way to your plan, you're so laser focused on getting that thing done or checking that box, that all around you things are happening that you're missing. At least that's what I've been learning. And so sitting at the park at at, uh, Boise, watching some young men from some African country, I mean, I didn't understand their language, just in a game of soccer was just we just sat there. Don't you mean was, football? <laughs> well, it's football for them, but soccer for us. But it was just like a moment. You know, we stayed there for maybe 10 or 15 minutes and watched them play, and we would never do that. So I think that the open ended road trip, where you do have a place, I would recommend a place to sleep. We met people that just decided to just drive. Well, there was a baseball tournament. They didn't have a place to sleep. So I do strongly encourage, at least on a Saturday and Sunday night, make sure you've got a reservation at the place of of choice that you have. But I think to remember when you're on a road trip is that you've been sitting, whether it's two hours, three (laughs) or four hours. So moving, walking, hiking, golfing, doing something that gets you active just feels so good. So what I learned on that was to let him and let go. And it was so fun when we got down to uh, our, our place in in the condo, he was still the planner for the group. We met uh, two other couples. Yeah. And so he figured out where to golf. They didn't care. And so there was that kind of his responsibility there. And he just picked wonderful courses for everybody that were reasonable. I mean, you can spend a lot of money I'm learning in retirement. And I think that there's things that you can spend extra money on if that's important to you. But there really needs to be a longer view. Like we can't spend like there's no tomorrow.
0: Now, I have a question about the spending.
1: Do you have
0: a monthly or annual travel budget or is it, is your, do you not really have a set budget for that or is, is your travel part of your entertainment? How are you handling that budget part? I know that this is not a primarily money focused show, but one of the things that's holding me back is not being able to replenish that. Mm -hmm. bucket of money. And although by most people's analysis, I could retire yesterday. There's something holding me back from just that financial piece. So how are you
1: managing your travel budget? Well, it goes back to probably the 80s. When we first got married and this is before credit cards. This is before computers. But we read a book by a guy named Larry Burkett. It was kind of a Christian whatever, and his philosophy was you should spend ten percent um, or more below what you make, and set your maximum. Set your. But maximum you're, not your now. Now well, you're not making anything now. Now you're not
0: making anything.
1: But I am. I'm because of your pension. A lot, right? I'm making a lot, and my husband signed up for Social Security to replenish what we have and he's got a whole strategy Our financial planner has a strategy on that i'm gonna wait till i'm 70 um but it was it was envelopes it was cash envelopes this is back in the day so now it's the david dave ramsey yes but for us early in our marriage the visibility of cash right now everything's online and it's electronic but the habits that we formed were that there are certain things that are just hard costs, right? Your your house payment, your water bill, utilities, food, all those things. So all those things we had a set aside amount that we would analyze once a year that this is how much it costs. So that it was never a shock when the license tabs came. Oh my gosh, we've got to pay license tabs. Well, you know about what those are. Oh my gosh, the taxes are here. Well, all that money was set aside. And then on the discretionary money, which is where we had the most Stress, right? Because money is power, and power is control, and who gets to say? And so we did set aside a monthly amount in the travel budget. And a you month. still
0: have that. You we still, still have, have, the have monthly that, that travel? Elect-
1: electronically. And so what happens is there's certain times of the year where we're not traveling as much, like the Pacific Northwest in the summer. But in the winter, got to get out of the cold and the gray. <laughs> And so it's just something that we've been doing since we got married. So you do have a travel
0: budget and yes. you're staying within that travel budget.
1: Yes. But there are also places where we have a home improvement envelope, a, a pseudo envelope. Oh, right. We have a travel, we have clothing. So, so what happens is we put those standard amounts, but if I wanted to spend a little bit more on a trip, then I can make a policy choice to say, I'm not going to spend as much on clothes this month. I'm going to transfer money. And so, so in a way, there's an overall budget. And then there's these categories. There's like 10 of them for each of the things we have to do. And then together we talk about it and say, well, do you, did you buy a lot of clothes? Did I buy a lot of clothes? Okay, well, that, that's not it. And so we move slightly. But overall, we stick to that monthly amount, which queues up so that we are free. We don't ever take a trip on credit ever. That's great. We we, we have the money to go on the trip and to be pretty relaxed about it because we can make other policy choices in other areas of our spending.
0: And the listener can do that as well, even if they don't have a pension like you. So Mm -hmm. if the listener doesn't have social security yet, I know that there's a lot of younger pre-retirees in our audience, and they're living off of their investments let's say they're taking 4% or 3% of their investments that's their overall monthly or annual budget and they can do the same thing that you did they can use that envelope method we we kind of do that as well again with like you it's it's not actual envelopes but every year i look at what our money is and and we sort of figure out what our what our budget is, but we usually live below our, even our budget, <laughs> you know? but we do have a very, what I consider to be a significant travel budget. And, you know, cause I like to go, even though I just said that we're cooking, when I go on cruises, when I fly, I like to go first class. When I go on cruises, I like to have a balcony. Um, you know, so there are certain upgraded things that we, that I like, less would be totally happy flying coach and probably not now that COVID has entered our lives. We'll probably never do an inside cabin if we ever cruise again, it'll probably always be a balcony because the balcony you can open and you can go outside and you can breathe fresh air. But I, I do like certain things to be upgraded and then certain things we don't have, like I don't have a car. I chose not to get a car when we moved here two years ago and it's worked out just fine. So I get the budget thing. Thank you for clarifying that for the listener.
1: Well, and I think the takeaway can be no matter what your financial situation, it's priority choices. So for example, when people would say to me, oh my gosh, how can you afford to take a trip? I'd say, well, have you ever been to my house? it's not really decorated a lot. I don't buy a lot of bric-a-brac. I don't buy a lot of things. I don't do a lot of crafts. We don't smoke. We don't drink lots and lots of alcohol. We don't take drugs. So when you think about your life and all the different things that you choose to spend your money on, I just choose to not spend in other areas of my, my life in order to travel, because that's my priority. That doesn't mean it needs to be yours. Maybe you travel to baseball games all the time, or you buy lots of things. Those are policy choices that each person can make, but you can afford anything.
0: Not everything. I love that saying that Paula Pant did. You know, when I was a financial advisor, I had a client. Now this was years and years ago, so it's not going to sound like a lot of money now, but at the time I thought it was a lot of money. I was putting together a budget for this client and he and his wife had a $400 a month beer budget. And I was blown away because the percentage of their income, that was a significant percentage at the time, but that's what they chose to spend their money on. That's what they wanted. And everybody has their own, their own things that are important to them. And if that's what's important, that's what you should spend your money on. It's the things that aren't important Like the mind, okay, so I can relate this to a diet. The mindless eating, that'll kill your diet. You know, if you're sitting in front of the TV or in front of the newspaper and just mindlessly eating, that's going to kill your diet. Same thing with spending it's the mindless spending that will kill your budget. So I totally agree with you. I hope you're enjoying today's episode of the Rock Your Retirement Show. The theme of the show is to talk about the six pillars of retirement lifestyle. You can track how you're doing in those six pillars in the journal, which you can find at rockyourretirement.com journal. One of the pillars is health. Of course, if you don't have your health, nothing else matters. So before we get back to the conversation with Barbara and me, let's take a health break. Up next, we've got John Perlman, co-founder of Mission Lean, the leading fitness app for anti-aging fitness for our health segment. Hey, John, what you got today?
2: Hey, Kathy. Thanks for having me on. What I'd like to talk about today is flexibility for peak performance. So basically how you can start to incorporate stretching into your workout. Now, I think it's probably no surprise to the audience that, Stretching has shown to have very positive impact uh, for performance uh, in workouts and just staying loose generally in life. I think that t- tightness and and stiffness is is a large result of a lot of injuries that people suffer from out there and obviously the main goal of any fitness program, whether it's mission lean or another one, should be to keep the exerciser healthy and ready to go so that they don't have any interruptions and with an injury, let's say, so they can make changes for the long run and stick to their workout routine consistently.
0: Always good to be limber too, you know? Yeah.
2: Especially for older people, because I mean, it's, it's, you know, well known that, you know, if you're older, you might, you have, might have increased stiffness and decreased range of motion, which will in turn make you more susceptible to injury.
0: You know, I've noticed when I was younger, I used to be able to put my hands flat on the ground wearing four inch heels. And now it's hard for me to even touch the ground. Is that because I haven't been stretching enough? Is that my problem?
2: It I mean it might be, but to be honest with you, I I, I guess as you get older, I mean and I, I, I like I'm a tennis player. My background is in tennis. I, I played at Harvard and I played a little bit on the pro tour and I, I used to play in, you know, pro ams, like where I was the pro and I would pl- you know to raise money for charity and whatnot and Whenever I would play with an older um, participant, actually, they would always mention to me how, you know, enjoy enjoy your tennis now because you're going to be really stiff when you're my age.
0: <laughs> that wasn't very nice of them, was it? <laughs> <laughs> but you do. You do kind of, uh, you know, your body doesn't doesn't react the same way as it did when you're in your 20s and 30s.
2: So, right. Yeah, but that, that's why if you, you really have to take stretching seriously as you get older especially and make sure that you implement um you know a a serious stretching routine as part of your workout routine and i just want to mention to the audience kind of in terms of when you should stretch what like in other words it's it's not like it's not random in other words you shouldn't just like if it pops into your mind one day and you say oh yeah I heard on that podcast that I need to stretch more. And then you don't just, you know, if you're on the sidewalk or you're in the middle of something, you don't just drop into it and start stretching. It needs to be done. The the best time to stretch out your body is actually after a a, a workout. Uh, Not
0: before. Not before. Well,
2: before, and we'll touch on this, I'm sure, in other episodes, is what you call dynamic stretching, which is good to prime the body. But in terms of actually gaining improvement in your range of motion and flexibility, that needs to be done after the workout, and and that's called static stretching. And when you stretch in that way, ideally, you should hold each stretch of each muscle for twenty to thirty seconds. So you really elongate the muscle, and that way, you can be if you're stiff or you have flexibility problems, you can really improve on that through a, a serious routine of making sure you do you know twenty to thirty seconds on each uh, muscle group.
0: Mm. Is that kind of like what they do in yoga and Pilates? Also, is that what they're doing with those kind of movements, or is that totally different?
2: That's different. So, um, well, and it, let's let's just say a lot of you know yoga. When you think about yoga, you know there's different there's different components of the practice. So when you're in the momentum of a vinyasa, you know motion based yoga routine, that's not the type of stretching. That will, kind, you know, that's great to get you loose and limber, and that's more like the dynamic stretching that you would do in preparation for a workout. But what I'm talking about in terms of actually improving flexibility for the long run and maintaining your flexibility into into your older years is that you need to have a routine of let's say five to six stretches. I don't, I mean, you can stretch the major muscle groups with only five or six stretches, in, in my opinion. And you, you know, and we get we give those on mission lean, but I mean if you have your own stretches that you like, you should follow those and just have a routine of five to six stretches that you make sure you do for twenty to thirty seconds after each one after every workout you do when your body is most warm and ready to absorb that um, feedback.
0: Okay, so that would include pickleball and tennis and all of that. So after you're doing a stretch, what if you're in a exercise class that already incorporated stretching? Should you continue to stretch after the class?
2: Look, in my opinion, uh, when you go to an exercise class, unless it's a class specifically focused on flexibility, oftentimes flexibility goes overlooked. So, and that's in the interest of time. I mean, you know, it it might be a 45 minute class and people want to get their burn. But the reality is, is that no, I, I don't, I think that most exercise classes do not, Uh, take care of the flexibility component enough. And so let's say you did a 45 minute class, I think that you should come out of the class and then for 15 minutes afterwards, just stretch out your body with those five or six core stretches that you adhere to and then make sure to do that and really put in the time and even 10 minutes, as long as you make it a consistent and diligent effort, it's going to pay off.
0: You know, that's good advice. Thank you. Appreciate it. Any, any other advice for the audience?
2: For older adults, I think an investment in flexibility is going by the wayside. And uh, if you if you can be one of the few who actually takes it seriously and makes sure to do it consistently, it's going to pay off, uh, definitely.
0: Well, I'm going to try that. I'm going to do that from now on after my exercise classes or whatever it is that I'm doing, you know, pickleball, even if it's just line dancing. I think I'm going to take your advice. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Kathy.
0: And now... Back to our conversation with Barbara.
1: So being on the road was fun. Being on the trip was fun. I enjoyed the golfing, but when we went hiking in the National Park, Zion National Park and Snow Canyon, it was just breathtaking when you come from a place that's really, really green and really, really wet, it's fun to go to the desert. I don't know that I want to live in the desert because everything out there when you're in it wants to kill you. But, but the red rocks, the warmth, it was hot. It was like 96 degrees. We just had a wonderful time. And so the balance was we were golfing with our friends and seeing them in the evening, but two or three of the days we went off on our own. And we went hiking, and I'll never forget this trip. It was one of those epic, amazing, beautiful places with my husband. And it was hot, it was exhausting. I need to get in better shape. I don't know if I told you about the 14 mile hike where he tried to kill me. Did I tell you about no, that? No, you oh did my not. Gosh. Kind of towards the end of the trip, we found this place called Kolob Canyon, K O L O B. And he'd been reading about this arch. It's the largest natural arch, one of the largest in the world. And it's a 14-mile trip, seven miles in, seven miles out in the desert. And I said, honey, are you sure? And, of course, in the 90s, I don't think he would have done it. But the weather took a turn. There was wind, kind of a high wind warning, and it went down to 70 degrees. And so we got up at o oh, dark 30, and we were on the trail by 7 a.m.
0: Did you have one of those water packs?
1: Yes. Yes. Because otherwise I can foresee you, you know, dying out there. Well, it could have been close because it was so hot, I drank through my entire water pack before the no. hike was over. Yes. I had no water. And so it was, it was kind of a downhill, kind of pretty steep. And then it was through a valley and we saw the arch and we had our lunch and we're doing good. And I said, boy, we better start getting back because I mean, this is like 7am to 3.30 of, of hiking. Did you s- did you see break. any
0: other, did you see any other hikers on the way?
1: Yes. Not day hikers like us. Everybody else was way younger, like 40 years younger with heavy big backpacks that were coming down and then spending the night in the canyon near these beautiful streams and everything. And then, then they would come out the next day. So they were dividing it in half. No, these 60 something year olds are going to do it all in one day. And I did fine for the first 13 miles, but that last mile was up a thousand feet. Oh, no. And I went through my water and he, um, he says, okay, you know, I'll share mine rationing water here. Just take a sip. And it was, it was, it was hard. It was really hard. I broke all the blood vessels in the back of my leg. Oh, I no. was feeling lightheaded and nauseous. So I knew I was dehydrating.
0: And, and you <laughs> had heat stroke if you were, well, feeling nauseous. it,
1: it was really, really hot. Yeah. And, um, so that last half mile we met another couple and we started talking and then I'm like, okay. So I'm just like resting at every turn and he goes, "Come on, you need to buck up and put on your big boy pants." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh no. Are you flipping kidding me?" Oh, and he kept no. going. And so I made it out and he had ice cold water and ice cold watermelon when I got there, but I was so ticked. I said, "Are you trying to kill me?" And he goes, well, I just didn't think it would be this hard at the end. And I said, but we're in our 60s. And so so I'm really glad I did it. I I I I put some pictures on the blog. I put some pictures on Facebook. It was awe-inspiring and it was wonderful. Okay, so
0: so now be honest. Mm-hmm. Before this hike, did you buy like a really large life insurance policy on yourself <laughs> and make him the beneficiary?
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> no but he gets half my pension if if i do go so maybe that's just is good no he 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 had a good intention and i know that that he kind of always wants to like conquer that next hill that next mountain and to be honest i've been places i would have never got to go but my takeaway for the listener is this if there are places that you want to see before you die that require mobility and being in shape. Maybe it's Australia or New Zealand or whatever. My takeaway all the way back to the condo was, wow, it gets harder the older you get. And when is your last? When is your last hike in your life? When is the last time you're mobile enough to navigate rocks and trees? When's the last time you can be on a cruise without being in a wheelchair? Whatever it is. I think it gets back to what you said at the beginning, that you have enough money, but you're kind of afraid to spend it. Well, who are you leaving it to? Are you going to try to bless your children or a charity? Or if you're at the age you're at now and you're physically able to do these things, will you live a life of regret because you were worried about spending? So I'm not talking about spending down where it's dangerous, right? Where you don't have enough. But I think there's a cushion there between what we think we need and what we'll need because no one knows how long they'll live. So the takeaway for us is I'm so happy and proud of myself that I got that hike done, but it's not as easy. It was when I was 40. And so we are literally working on a list of what are the things that we want to see while we're ambulatory. Cause you are one trip, one, um, fall one twisted ankle away from possibly not being able to see those things. And so we are asking ourselves, well, why would we defer them? So I'm not talking about climbing Mount Rainier. I'm just talking about a five to 10 mile hike that for me at this age, that's doable. And I'm glad, and I'm proud of that. But how long will that last?
0: Well, one thing that we did early in our marriage, and I'm glad we did it, was we went to the Galapagos Islands. and that is something that you do have to be in shape to do. It is, it is very rugged. And so for the listener, if you've ever considered, it's an expensive trip, I I must admit, but if you can budget for it and go there, um, the Galapagos is an incredible place. You'll never see that in the United States or any other place in the world. Just because it's so remote And the animals are so unafraid of people because it is very protected. People can only go with a guide and the guide can only take 14 people, 14 or 15 people, something like that. And there's, you know, there's nowhere to, um, there's, you can't bring food. There's no restrooms. If you have to go to the restroom, you have to go back to the ship. But similar to what you just said, you know, if there are things on your bucket list, I agree cross them off. So it's one of the reasons why we chose to go on this Southern exposure trip instead of just canceling our vacation and saying, Oh, well, we're not, we're just going to cancel. <laughs> you know? I wanted to do something and seeing the United States, the United States is so big. You know, I'm like, well, why do we need to go to other countries? There's a lot that we have not, we haven't seen anything here. You know, we've, we've seen the West coast. I've, I've been to some places where you fly in and all you see is the airport. That doesn't count. So yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you, Barbara, go out and do the things that are on your bucket list.
1: Well, and I've kind of changed too, cause I was always, let's go international and, and saving money for that big trip. And now after this trip with my husband on the road. There's so many places we've never been. Anybody who's on the West Coast, we don't go east very often. It's not easy to get there. The time zone change. But uh, driving, you know, we'll be able to do it. And so, so yeah, so I wanted to share two kind of interesting experiences that I call serendipity, kind of unexpected, and kind of what happened afterwards. So we were in the canyon, Snow Canyon. We were going for our first hike. And throughout the canyon, there's all these little short hikes. One of them is called the Pioneer Names, where the pioneers came and wrote their names in this arch with axle grease in the 1850s and 60s. It's still there. So you just do this little hike. Well, we were hiking into a place called Jenny Canyon. It's just a short little hike. And we came around the bend. And there was this woman in the entrance to the canyon all dressed in black with a tripod and a camera. And as we turn the corner, because we're just chatting away, she she motioned shh and kind of, you know, be quiet. So we're like fascinated. Like, is there an animal in here? Is there a bird? Or is there, what is it? And then we just stood there for a long time. And I'm looking at Mike and he's looking at me. And then all of a sudden we saw these white feathers and these wings. And then out from the back of the canyon, like she wasn't visible when we got there, was this woman all dressed in white with literally angel wings. And she was silently dancing, spreading her wings. Our mouths dropped. We're just like, what is this? Because it's early morning. It's 7 a.m. The sun's just starting to rise. And she comes down the canyon. It takes her about two minutes in bare feet, dancing, and then she goes past the camera. And we just stood there looking. (laughs) And it was really kind of an emotional, spiritual sense that I had. And I looked at her and I said, "Um, what's your story? And she said, I am a street performer and I perform all over the world. And I'm the angel bird. And she does. She's been in Paris and Dublin and whatever. And I, I just said, uh, okay. I mean, because my husband's still just like, what did we just see? And she said, well, what's your story? And I said, well, we've been married for 41 years and I'm retired about two months ago and then she started talking to me and it was almost like a prayer and a blessing and she said then we're celebrating your freedom and that you are now free to love and to live and to create and to explore and i burst into tears <laughs> i mean like like tears down my face and then she started crying and her friends started crying and my husband said oh there's too much estrogen here. <laughs> and he he just kind of walked through and, you know, went to the end of the Canyon and we just talked for a little bit and she shared her name and it's a real thing. She is the angel bird and this is what she does. And she speaks life and truth into people about being free. And it was such a picture of how I've been feeling but I have never in my life seen anything like that. And the serendipity of us being there precisely at the moment that they were filming this for some YouTube or something, and the fact that she would speak that into me, I just felt like a weight was lifted, and I felt lighter, and I felt really happy that we'd had this miraculous, in a way, uh, encounter that on, is- on our hike amazing. Who would think
0: that on a hike, you would find the angel bird and speak to her? Exactly. Exactly. How many people would have ignored the friend telling you to be quiet and walked through? Oh, I don't know. There are probably people who would have done that just from our encounters the last time we traveled. So yeah,
1: no, it was a, it was very, you know, so my perception of the experience and my husband's were very different, but he just, he, <laughs> it was a little, it was a little woo-woo for him. But for me, it was just like, wow, that, that was something. So I wrote a little bit about it on the blog and put a link to her website. If you love it, if you want to meet the angel bird. And then the other quick story was the pool at, at Wyndham. Every day we'd come back hot and tired you know, and sweaty from either golfing or hiking. And so we're in in the pool and just kind of almost like soaking. And there was another couple there. And my husband is more outgoing than I am, if you can believe it. <laughs> and so they struck up a conversation with us about our age, retired, um, except for they were newly married. They've been only married for six years. And we just talked and it was just a, a wonderful, wonderful conversation. But the connection we made is that they live in the town that my daughter used to live in, in Oregon, and they moved from the town my daughter lives in now. It was just a, just this weird connection. And so we talked and that was the end of that. They just said, Hey, if you know, maybe if we're in twin falls, maybe we'll see you because they were heading home too. And then you would think that would be the end of it. But the next morning, my husband brought me this little piece of paper and he said, look. And it said, hi, this is my name. This is my husband's name. Here's our number. If you're ever in your daughter's town, um, give us a call. And I went, how did they know which truck we had? We were in the pool. But they knew enough from our story that we were from Washington. They saw the washing plates. They guessed. That to me is serendipitous. And Mike goes, What do you think of that? And I said, Well, they were just really nice people and you know, we're retirees. We're just trying to make a connection. I said, I'm gonna text them. And we did, we exchanged numbers. And so that was a few weeks ago. Well, then we were down for Memorial Day in my daughter's town. And I said, What do you think? And he goes, I don't know. Should we? Should we not? But we did, of course, you know us. We're gonna, we're gonna make a friend wherever we go. And we texted them back and we ended up meeting for dinner on Monday night of Memorial day. Just the four of us. It was two and a half hours of fun. We had so your daughter times. didn't go. Nope. Nope. It was well. Cause she's looking at us like, like, um, I don't Mom, know these people. These are strangers <laughs> that you met in a pool in St. George in my town. But we, we just had so much in common. And I guess so for me, for the listener, when you're on the road, when you're in these places, don't be that person that's like, Oh, I don't know them. Like you don't know who's right next to you, what you may or may not have in common. But I was just really proud of them for kind of taking the risk and trying to figure out who we were giving us our name. I wish I would have thought of it. Um, but the fact that we followed up, the takeaway is talk to strangers, talk to strangers, <laughs> and be willing to share who you are because you don't know, you know, what kind of connection you might make. And so I feel like we've got friends that when we visit our daughter, if we wanted to get a break from her and the grandkids and my son-in-law, which no, we have a wonderful time with them, but just another adult couple that are in a very similar stage of life with so much in common, our belief system. I mean, again, it's, we both, all four of us thought, well, this is kind of a God thing. Like there was a connection that we made, Emotionally and spiritually, and as and friends. they're retired. They're retired as well. Pretty close. She's she's a cu- couple days a week, but they're really close. But they're uh, they're our age. So um, love it. So anyway, so that was a takeaway that when you're on the road, strangers are just friends you haven't met yet. Love it. I love it. That's fantastic. So you had a lot going on this last month. Yeah, and and then one last thing I want to share is about grandkids. I had a moment where, um, we were down and my daughter-in-law had to work and I got to walk my grandkids to school. And I literally, Kathy was in the moment appreciating that I would have been working and I would have not, I would have not got to do that. And they're, they're, um, almost nine, almost eight. And both of them held my hand. And I had a moment where I said, when is the last time that I will get to hold my grandkids hands as I walk them to school. And I would have missed that if I would have been working. Um, And so I guess, I guess for the listener life is short if you do have the resources and you want to spend those intentional times with your grandkids um, now's the time to do it. It's, it's just, it's just really special.
0: That is such a fantastic way to end. Today's episode. Thank you so much for continuing to share with us and continuing to tell your story. And as your story unfolds, Barbara, and to help us learn what we should be learning as as we sort of, I guess, learn to rock our retirement. It sounds like you're rocking yours right now. So love it. So
1: far, so good. I have no regrets. I'm really, really happy with my decision, and I have a whole summer ahead of me of lots and lots of fun things and plans with grandkids with family with friends. Yeah, I I haven't had a problem getting my schedule booked up. In fact, I think I've heard it said, I don't know how I had time to work. I think that's where I'm at right now. Like there's so many fun things I'm doing right now that I couldn't have done, but how did I work and live life?
0: So let's talk about the takeaways from today's episode. Number one, sometimes you have to let someone else do things that you've been doing and you might be pleasantly surprised. Number two, figure out what's important to you and add it to your budget. Get rid of unimportant things you're spending money on to make room for the important even if it's just $400 for beer. Number three, talk to strangers. That's how you find friends. And number four, let yourself pause and you may find yourself hiking with angel birds. Well, thanks again, Barbara. And for the listener, we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement.
1: Bye.
0: Bye. Oh, wait. I wanted to thank you again for listening to the Rocky Retirement Show. If you're a new listener, a good place to start is episode 116.